Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. So while we were in Haiti, uh, we went to the southern part of the country there, uh, and uh, there is a the place they call Prayer Mountain. It's not like a really a high mountain like you would think. Uh, it's not even the size of Stone Mountain. It's a little bit smaller than that. But every day, there's people that will just come to that mountain. They'll walk miles to come to that mountain and to pray. And, uh, and so we went there. The, the person that we was with, the, the leader that we had, uh, we went there with him. And he had portable equipment. So we set up a, like a little PA system, set up these tents. And we got there. There might have been one or two people there. So I, I thought, okay, we set this up. And, and uh, he put the music on. And he said, okay, everybody comes here to pray. So you guys go pray. So that's what I did. I went and started praying. And so while I was, but I noticed that as time passed, like 45 minutes, I mean, look, 150 people just, I mean, just coming everywhere uh, to pray uh, on that mountain. And they would like, the sun, it was really hot, you know, so they'd get in the shade and they would lay under the shade and pray. It was amazing. And actually, at the end of that, I actually got to speak to those people, uh, share a message with them. But while I was there, God spoke to me about our church. And this is what God, I believe, strong. You know, I don't, I don't get up here and say every week, okay, God spoke this to me, and i got to tell you this. But he did speak this to me. While I was praying, God spoke to me, and he said, I want you to, I want you to know this, that I am going to double your influence. That's the message for our church. So if you're part of our church, it's for you. Not just for me, but God spoke for SEC. He said, I'm going to double your influence and so he's talking to you too all right because you're the church this building is not the church you're the church and so he's got says i'm going to double your influence so i hope you receive that today because what we're going to talk about really correlates with that this message that i want to share with you which i had already done before i left matter of fact i videoed this message in case something happened and i wouldn't be back because i want to share it with you and so today i want to talk to you about pursuing your calling I want to talk to you about leadership. You, many, when I say the word leadership, there's a lot of people that just check out and say, I'm not a leader. Let me just tell you something. Everybody's a leader. Do you know that, that I read this that said that, uh, by the way, let me just, leadership is influence. That's what leadership is. And so that's why everybody has it. And here's what I read. I read that the most introverted person in the entire world will impact or influence 10,000 people's lives. The most introverted person, think about that, the person that's the quietest person that doesn't like to speak out, you know, they have, will impact over 10,000 people's lives in their lifetime. 
And so what I want to tell you is that God has given you influence. You're influencing somebody. There's, some, there's people around you that are watching you, that are listening to you, that are observing you, that you have no idea, and you're influencing that, those people. And God said to me on that mountain that I'm going to double your influence. Now, why would God double our influence? And I believe that the reason that God would double our influence is because we're on a mission here. Our mission is to give people an opportunity for a better life through Jesus Christ. Amen? No matter where we go, it's amazing. We went to Haiti. You know, we was in a a third world country. And what's amazing is our mission was still the same. It didn't change. Give people of Haiti the opportunity for a better life through Christ. And so today as I talk, I share this message with you today, I hope that you will take it personally. So I just want to tell you, this is not for the person that's not here. If you're listening online, this is for you. But the per- whoever's ear this hit, this is for you, okay? So, so don't say, I wish so-and-so was here. This is no, this is for you today. And so today we're going to talk about fulfilling my calling. Now I want to ask this one question and then we'll get right into this. How many of you, when you get to heaven, you want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? How many of you want to hear him say that? Let me see your hand. Okay, great. That's about the majority of it. Because the alternative is not good. You know, if God, either God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you doer of iniquity. I never knew you, you know? So we want him to say that. And so we got to do what he wants us to do while we're on earth so that he can say that. we got to fulfill my calling, our calling. And today I want to roll right into a guy in the Bible, a playmaker. That's how we do in this series, by the name of Moses. You know, we, we put Moses way up here, but Moses had a lot of problems. And he, and he had to work through his calling. And I think it relates to where we are. So Moses was this guy, in case you don't have a church background, let me explain this to you. Moses was a guy in the Bible who actually, when he was two years old, because of of, uh, the king's order of Egypt, which we call Pharaoh, Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh had given an order that all the Hebrews, again, remember the Hebrews were actually slaves of the Egyptians at that time. All the Hebrew people were slaves of the Egyptians had given an order that all children that are two years old and older, boys, must be murdered, killed, get rid of them. Because the the population of the Hebrews were going so fast, he thought they would overtake the Egyptians. So Moses' mother, hearing that decree, had he was two years old, put him in a basket, a little wicker basket that somehow she had made it to where it would float. She'd wrapped it with some kind of leaves. And she knew that the exact time that the king, the Pharaoh's daughter, was going to come down to the river and she would bathe. And so Moses' mother hid and, she, and when, the, when Pharaoh's daughter came down the water, she pushed that basket out and then Moses started crying at two years old and God put it in that Pharaoh's daughter's heart to want to have Moses. And so she got the basket, she saw the baby, and she decided to keep and raise this baby as her own. So all of a sudden, at two years old, Moses became the grandson of the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So now, so he's, so he's growing up in the king's palace. I mean, he, he's, 
he's growing up, he's getting the best education there is. He's learning, he knows all the government of Egypt. He has all the power that the king has. I mean, when you're the grandson, right? It's one thing to be the child of a parent, but we, you know, when you become a grandparent, hello? There's nothing like a grandbaby, I'm told. I don't have one yet, but I'm told, right? Nothing like a grandbaby. Somebody told me one time, said, you know what, if I knew being a grandparent was this good, I would have been nicer to their parents. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, so he's a grandchild. So here we go. So Moses now is growing up, but he knows that he's a Hebrew. And he's watching the Egyptians who are taskmasters, who are beating his people, making them work, doing hard work. He's watching them beat them every day. He's watching them, you know, just treat them. They're slaves. And he's watching them being mistreated. And so all of a sudden, he's beginning to feel this calling inside of him to do something about that. And so I want you to write this down on your outline because it's the first thing that we have to understand when we're fulfilling our calling is this. Would you write this down? Ready? Here we go. We have to believe that God is up to something when it seems like he's up to nothing. Did you write that down? We have to believe that God is up to something when it seems like he's up to nothing. So Moses feels like his calling on his life is to help these people. So here's what happened. Moses grows up in the, in the palace. He knows everything. He's, he's got all the, uh, all the preferential treatment. He, he's, he's been the grandbaby. I mean, he, he's spoiled rotten. But at 40, all of a sudden, he decides it's time to pursue his calling. And he's going to take matters into his own hands. And he's going to do something. He's going to lead his people out of Egypt. And so he goes out walking around one day. And as he's walking around, he sees an Egyptian slave, uh, an Egyptian slave, a taskmaster, beating one of the Hebrews, trying to get him to work or do something. And Moses gets upset about it. And so Moses decides that he's going to do something about it. So he steps in, he takes up the fight, and Moses begins to physically beat the taskmaster himself, taking up for the Hebrew. So much so that he went off the deep end and he killed him. So at 40, Moses has committed murder and trying to fulfill God's calling. So Moses goes out back out the next day or, or so and he's walking around. He sees two Hebrew people, two of his people fighting. And he goes up and he tries to break them up. He said, hey, 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 fellas, whoa, 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 whoa. There's no need. We, your brothers don't do this. And then this is what happens. Look at the Bible. Look what it says. In Exodus 2, it says this. The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you kill the Egyptian? Let's read what's underlined together. Come on, let's read it out loud. You ready? Here we go. Then Moses was afraid and thought. What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard this, he tried to what? He tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Okay. What I want to tell you is that when Moses took matters into his own hand, he, he thought, okay, he felt the calling to get his people out of slavery, out of Egypt. He took matters into his own hand, but when that did not work, 
And Pharaoh found out about it. He ran into the desert. He began to live in the desert. Now, here's a question. If God is calling Moses to get the people out of Egypt, and here Moses is at 40 years old and thinking, okay, I'm called to do this, and he tries to do it, and he seems like he fails at it. So he runs into the desert. It doesn't make any sense at all. But what I want to tell you, remember what our point is? Is that we got to believe that God is up to something when it seems like he's up to nothing. You, did you hear that? Because many times in your life right now, many of you in this room have felt called by God to something. You felt that God has put something in your heart that you should do, and you have tried it, and it failed, and ever since then, you've not tried it again. Here's what I'm going to tell you. God is up to something when it seems like he's up to nothing. When Moses, he spent 40 years in the Egyptian house learning all the government workings of Egypt. God had him in training for 40 years. Then when he committed murder, he went into the desert. Why did God allow him to have to be run off into the desert? I'll tell you why. It's because, because God knew that he was going to lead his people out of Egypt and they would have to cross the desert. So while Mo Moses was in the desert for 40 years, 40 more years, what was he doing? He was learning the ways of the desert. He was learning the weather patterns of the desert. He was learning why, how do you, how do you survive in the desert? Where are all the watering holes at? How do you lead sheep in desert? How do you lead animals in the desert? He learned all the weather patterns, everything of the desert. He'd been in training for 40 more years. God had him in training. When it looked like God was up to nothing, when it looked like God's plan had failed, when it looked like his calling was over, actually what Moses thought was rejection by God was actually more training by God. What I want to tell you is this, is that you are in training right now. You've been in training. God is preparing you for what he's calling you to do. And right now, while you're working out your calling, you're going through some difficult times, but don't give up on your calling because right now God is preparing, and you can't give up on why he's preparing you. You can't give up on that. Okay, so I have this statement on the screen, and I want you to read it with me. Look what it says. You ready? When I have a setback, I will not take a step back in my faith because God is already preparing my Oh, come on, read that like you believe it. Come on, let's read it one more time. You ready? When I have a setback, I will not take a step back in my faith because God is already preparing my comeback. And I want you to know that, that, listen, right now, whatever you're going through that you've tried, you know, even in your Christian journey, you feel like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. Where are you, God? Is that you don't take a step back, but you know that God is preparing your comeback. And he ain't finished yet, amen? He's not finished yet. Okay, number two, would you write this down? The second thing in my calling, in fulfilling my calling, is know that God is the God of the second chances. Know that God is the God of the second chances. Do you have that? Because I want to talk to you. When Moses lost his temper, he lost everything. When Moses lost his temper, he lost everything. You see, the problem that we, many of us have today is this, is that too many people believe that when we, they give up on their dreams because they believe that God has given up on them.
When Moses, listen, Moses went out and he committed murder. It didn't matter if it was an enemy, he committed murder. He was not at war, he committed murder. And when Moses committed murder, he did this horrible sin. And he felt like that God could never use him again. And there's many of you sitting here today, you feel like, because I have done this, that God can never use me again. I want to tell you, that is a lie. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what's happened to you. But, but you have been told a lie that God can never do anything great through you because who am I because of my past that I've done? Listen, if you keep believing that lie, you will be handicapped all of your life. God is the God of the second chance. Can somebody say amen? amen. He's the God of the second chance. Now we look into the story, look what, the, what happens here. So we set, let me set it up. So now Moses is living in the desert now, right? And now God starts to speak to him. Look what it says. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through, though the bush was on fire, it did not what? Okay, let me explain this to you. So in the desert, it's not uncommon to see bush, brush and bushes on fire. I mean, it just gets so hot, it gets so dry, and especially like a little bit of lightning or something like that can spark a fire. And so it wasn't uncommon. I mean, like Moses had went by many burning bushes before he'd seen that. It was not uncommon. But what, was, what, was, what made this uh, bush so interesting was this, is that it just kept burning. And so like, I'm sure that maybe Moses was out during the, during the morning time, he sees the bush on fire. Wow, there's, you know, there's a bush on fire. No big deal. Maybe he comes back in in the evening from doing whatever his chores were that day as a shepherd. And he comes back. Man, that bush is still burning right there. Wow. That's a, that man, that must have had a lot of kindling in it or something. And then, and then he maybe he gets up the next morning and goes back out and says, Dang, that bush is still on fire. On far. <laughs> For those people in South Georgia, it's far, right? That thing is still on fire. And so, so he goes over and says, well, i, I got to check this thing out. And he goes over there to the bush. And when he does, God, the voice of God, comes from the bush. And Moses knows God's voice. And so, therefore, it has his attention. So, look, let's go on. Look what it says. The Lord said, I indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering." Now watch this, look at, the, look at the next verse, verse 10. I want you to read out loud, with, out loud with me, these three words, these first three words. Come on, let's read them out loud. You ready? Come on, everybody, here we go. So now... <laughs> Moses is like, what the heck are you talking about, God? Watch, watch this. I'm 80 years old now. Hey... I tried at 40, and it didn't work. And I'm 80 now. You got the wrong man. God, I missed my moment 40 years ago. I tried at 40, after, but now I'm 80. But God said, Moses, now's the time that you go. 
I don't know who you, listen, I don't know what excuse you've given God, but many times we try to write off what God is telling us to do because we say, well, I miss my moment. But God is calling some of you to the so now go moment. So now go, so now go, so now is your time, all right, it's your time. He goes on to say this, so now I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So what he tried to do 40 years ago, God says, now's the time, it's time. Now he's 80. So what I want to tell you is this. Watch this. Failure is the fertilizer that grows character. You can never be the person that you want to be in life until you go through failure. I say it this way. Watch this. I say this. You don't know nothing until you've been through something. Right? Am I right about that? You don't, you know, when I, when I was a young man and I was a student pastor at about 22, 23 years old, I knew everything. I would tell these parents, well, all you need to do to your kids is, you know, blah, 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 blah. I didn't know nothing. Then I had my own kids. Now I'm bald-headed and wrinkled. Because <laughs> they have just sucked it out of me, you know what I'm saying? But now, now that my kids have grown, now I, I know a little something, right? You don't know nothing until you've been through something. What I'm telling you, that failure, your failure is a fertilizer that grows character. And, and listen, as, as your pastor, I want to give you some great wisdom for those of you that have younger children. I want to give you some wisdom, great wisdom. What is, wisdom is learning it yourself. Great wisdom is learning from somebody else without having to go through it. So I'm offering you some great wisdom. Please let your children fail. Let them have some failures. See, Rhonda and I are brought into culture. Culture says, oh no, you know, you can't let your kid be a, have a failure. And so you know what? Shoot, when they was in elementary school, you know what? They was on the principal's list. But you know who actually was on the principal's list? We were. Yeah, they should have had my name on the certificate. I'm the one that was with it. I was determined that my, you know, I was never a good speller, so I was going to determine my kids weren't going to have that problem. So I was the one there with them on Thursday, you know, Thursday evenings and, and Friday mornings. We was going to school, going over those spelling words. And I got 100s all the time. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I just want to know if you know what I'm talking about. Wasn't going to let them fail. Teacher called us, you know. Well, your child did this. Oh, no, not my child. Oh, it had to be the teacher's problem. Yeah, teacher's in this room. It was me. I'd go over and say, now listen, I know, I'm, you know, and go fight every battle for them. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you, that is the absolute, that's the biggest mistake that we made as parents. Don't do it. Let them have failure. Because let me tell you something. They're going to learn to deal with failure at eight are 18 or 28. And if you don't let them learn to fail, listen, if you don't let them learn to fail, then they're going to go to work, okay? Hopefully they're going to go to work. <laughs> and what's going to happen is, is they're going to go to work and they're going to go there, you know, they're going to say, well, you know, well, they said to be at work at, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning, but I got there at 8.30, you know, like five days in a row and they told me I was fired and I didn't do nothing wrong. And they're going to be living with you, for, you know, when they're 40 years old. Because they didn't know how to take failure. 
Let your children fail. Do not make them codependent on you. Okay. That's a lesson. Failure is the fertilizer. I want you to look at the next verse with me. The Bible says this in Proverbs 24. Though the righteous fall, how many times? So what is that? That proverb, the wisest man on earth wrote this, and he said, listen, you're going to have failures. He said, though they fall seven times, they what? They rise again. But the wicked stumble with when calamity strikes. So the Bible says that we're going to have failures in our life. But because we're believers in Christ, we know our failure is never final. Right? It's not final. Listen. You may be down right now, but you're not going to be down forever. The greatest words in the Bible are this. This too shall pass. Hallelujah. Thank God for those words. And some of you are in a season right now. You're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back up. You are. You will live. You will make it. You're going to get out of this financial struggle. You're going to have a better marriage. Your kids are going to be okay. You're going to make it. That's all right. I just me myself. You know, the greatest failure was Easter weekend. Think about it. When Jesus went to the cross, just think about that. All these people, thousands had followed him. He fed the multitudes. He said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior of the world. And guess what? Then all of a sudden, Easter weekend comes and, and Friday comes and he's carrying that cross up the hill. They beat him half to death. He's bleeding and he's just beating to a bloody pulp. And, and there's everybody saying, okay, now get up and be the Messiah. Turn on these Romans right now. You do that, Jesus. Even when he was on the cross and his arms are extended out, they say, okay, now if you're the son of God, come off that cross. We believe you can. We've seen you do the miracles. We've seen you walk on water. We've seen you turn, turn do the multitude, uh, uh, multiply the five loaves and, and the two fish. We've seen you do all of that. Now just come on down. And Jesus died. On Friday, there was hope, hope, hope. But what day comes after Friday? What, what is it? Saturday. On Saturday, Jesus was a big hoax. Hope and then hoax. Because he had died. But what I want to tell you is this, is that with the kingdom of God, it's this through Easter, and that is this, is that with God, in God's kingdom, failure is never final. What day comes after Saturday? Sunday, okay? So on Friday, there was this hope. On Saturday, there was no hope. It looked like he was a big hoax. But on Sunday, God said, it ain't over until I say it's over. And Jesus himself got up out of the grave, rolled the stone back and said, here I am. I told you I'd get back up. And God's telling you today, there's hope. Amen. Whatever you're going, listen, some of you are in Friday right now, you're going through it, you're hoping, hoping, hoping. Some of you in Saturday, it looks like you're dead, it looks like there's never going to be any hope. But I'm telling you, hang on, because God, there's a Sunday coming your way. Get up, amen? Failure's never final with God. I'm preaching better than your amen, and I know that. And I haven't had no sleep, so again, number three, let's write this down. Focus on what God can do and not what you cannot do. If we're going to fulfill our calling. Now remember, God's speaking to Moses now. God just spoke to Moses now. Moses got something to say to God. Look what he says. 
But Moses said to God, you ready? Let's read what's on the line together. Here we go. You ready? Who am I? There's nothing like a whiny 80-year-old, is there? Who am I? Who, who am I, God? A whiny 80-year-old. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The first thing that uh, Moses offered God after God gave Moses' his calling was an excuse. Oh, God, I can't go. You, you know, Lord, hey, my own people, they don't like me. God, you know, I'm known as a murderer there. Pharaoh's trying to kill me, God. And by the way, God, I stutter a little bit. Can't talk good. Let me ask you a question. What excuse are you giving God? What is it? We've all given that, who am I? Who am I? Who, who, who am I, God? You know, I'm nobody down here. And we think just because we tell God that, we're, that he created a nothing, that he believes that. That's what you say. When you say, who am I, God? You're saying, God, I'm scum, Lord, that you created. I'm nobody, so you go to somebody else. And God looks at you and says, no, I know who I created. You're better than that. Who am I is like saying I'm looking at my past. So let me say this to you. When we're, determining our, when we're determining our future, many times we look back at our past to see what it's going to be like. And here's what I want you to know. This is what your past will always do. Your past will always downplay your successes and always highlight your failures. When you look back on your past, and no matter who you are, that's what it will do. So we have to look to God for our future. Look, let's go on. Exodus 3 and 14, look what God says to Moses now. God says, I am who I am. This is, what, uh, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. Let's read those two words. You ready? Come on. One, two, three. I am. Say it again. You ready? I am. Now, who said that? God, right? What did God say? I am. Who said it? God. What did God say? I am. I am. He said, I am. I am has sent me to you. Now, what was he saying there? Because for... For every I am not that Moses was saying, God said, I am. Moses, Moses said, I'm not a strong leader. God says, I am. Moses said, you know, I'm not a good speaker. God said, I am. Moses said, you know, I, I'm not good at, at getting people to do stuff. God said, I am. For every I am not that Moses offered, God says, I am. Isn't it amazing Jesus called himself the great I am? You know what? So listen, here's what I'm saying. How... God does supernatural work. Would you agree with that? Do you know how God does supernatural work? He lets his super touch our natural. And then it becomes supernatural, right? God's got a super that wants to touch your natural, and then it becomes supernatural. Because there's going to be things that God wants you to do that you can't do. And you're going to say, well, who am I? And then you're going to say, you know, God, I cannot... I'm not, God, I'm not that good person. I, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm not that person that can talk to people. I'm not that person that can do this. And when you start saying all that I am not, God says, great, good, wonderful. How, I'm, I'm so glad you're not because you need me. But when the super touches the natural, things begin to become supernatural. Isn't that amazing? You know what they said about me. Shoot, when I was thinking, when I, I told people I was called to preach, they laughed at me. Oh, Jeff, you're not a leader. You people can't follow you. You're not smart enough, bright enough. You're not, you know, you don't have uh, the background. Your daddy wasn't a preacher. Your grandparents weren't a preacher. You, you just don't have it. You know what? They were right. I didn't have it. But somehow I allowed, I reached up and, and guess what? 
the super touch the natural. And God is allowing that, that supernatural to begin to happen in our church. You, do you know our church is growing like crazy? Do you know that? It's growing like crazy. Do you know 188 people gave their life to Jesus Christ this year in, in this sanctuary? Do you know that? Do you know that, that there, there's people being baptized every month in our church? Do you know that our neighbors are coming to Jesus Christ? Do you know some of your children are coming to Jesus Christ? Do you know that God is using us in a mighty, mighty way? And listen, back 20, 22 years ago, when it was that little church of 75 people that said, you'll never make it. You'll never be anything for God. We said, you know, we will not accept that. If God can use anything, he can use us. And we allowed the super to touch our natural. And God is doing great things. Amen? Shoot, I'm fired up. I got to hurry up. Get you out of here. Look at the next verse with me. God's got something to say to Moses. He said, then the then the Lord became angry. All right, he said, your brother Aaron is a good speaker. He's coming here to look for you. And he'll be very glad, happy when he finds you. So I will tell you what to tell him. And I will help both of you speak well. And I will tell you what to do. Look at this on the screen with me. Look at this. Life is not about proving yourself. It's about improving yourself. It's not about showing everybody how good you are. It's, it's not about proving yourself. It's about improving yourself. And the way God does that is he allows us to have intersections with people. Listen, what do you think that uh, Aaron did for Moses on the way back to Egypt? Is that he taught him how to speak. He taught him the things that Moses did not know. And so they had that intersection. God arranged that intersection, not, not for Moses to prove himself, but for him to improve himself. Listen, we have a method around here called Connect Groups. What they're all about is allowing God to put intersections in your life with people that can help you improve. Now, they're not going to come and teach you a lesson or whatever, but you get around people that are going up, you have a tendency to go up yourself. And that's what it's about. Not only that, but God allows people that you know for you to intersect with that you can help them go up. And it's very important that you become aware who's, in your, who's around you. Because this is where we, we lead people to Christ. And that's why next Sunday, we're having Friends Day at our church. Now, let me just tell you this. Listen, I've invited my friends. I hope you have. And I'm counting. You've got to be here for me next week. Because I've told my friends about you. I've got neighbors coming. I've got people from my gym coming. They're coming. And what I know is this, is that our church, people, when they talk to me, they don't tell me, oh, I come to your church, and pastor, I just want you to know, your sermon, sermon just, it just put a quiver in my liver. <laughs> they never say that. They never, ever say that. You know what they say? Man, there's a, there's a spirit there. there. There's something good there. Those people at that church are some of the best people. They say all that kind of stuff. So what I'm telling you is this. Next week, be on your best behavior. Because <laughs> my friends are coming. And I promise to be on my best behavior next week. I'll have a little sleep next week, all right? But they're coming. And I'm counting on you. From the time they enter that parking lot, whoever's in the parking lot next week, I'm counting on you to to be there, because I've told them about you. I've told them how good you are. I've told them how great you are. And I've said, listen, hey, you might not get, you. the sermon may stink, but man, the people are good. They just get, they're just so good. And so they're coming to meet you. 
I mean, they already know me, so they don't expect a whole lot. <laughs> so next week, I, for you, now for you, when you bring your guests next week, and you bring your friends, I'm going to be on my best behavior. I'm going to prepare with excellence. I'm going to do everything I can to be ready. And, and like I try to be every week, I'm going to try to step it up even more. Be ready so that you can, I can be what you told your friends I am. You have told your friends about me, haven't you? <laughs> I'm scared to know what you told them. So listen, on the back of your connection card, there's a place to sign up for connect groups and also to check the box that says, you know what? It says this. It says, I will do my best to bring a friend to Friends Day on October the 1st. All right, let me give you number four. Number four is this, is let go of your old identity and false security. You got to let it go. Let go of your old identity and your false security. Okay, look at me when you wrote it down so I know you're done. Okay. Look at this verse with me. The Lord said to him, so God's speaking to Moses now. So the Lord said to him, ready? Let's read what's underlined together. You ready? Come on, this is important. Let's read it out loud. Ready? One, two, three. What is that in your hand? Moses like, okay. Look what he says. A staff, a shepherd's staff. You know, one with a crook like the, East, uh, the uh, Christmas plays that our kids carry. A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a what? Okay, this is what I do when it becomes a snake. The same thing Moses did. What did he do? He ran from it. I'm like, I'm with you, Moses. Snakes come out, I'm out of here. So he ran from it. Now look. Why did God have Moses throw his staff on the ground? Here it is. Here, this is for you. Because Moses had tied all of his identity and who he was up in that stick. He said, this stick represents my livelihood. I'm a shepherd. It represents my identity and it is my security. It's the way I feed my family. And God says... In order for you to do what I want you to do, you've got to, quit you got to quit trusting only in what you can do, and you've got to trust in what I can do. So throw it on the ground. Here's what I want to tell you. Moses had allowed people to label him. Remember when he grew up in Pharaoh's house? Remember when he was the first 40 years? Remember what he said? Oh, you know what they called him? Oh, you're little Pharaoh's grandson. Look at little Moses, little Pharaoh's grandson. A little privileged child, a little preppy kid. What they called him. You guys don't read the Bible like me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, I'm going to teach you how to read the Bible. That means I got to hurry up even more. I'm sorry. I need to sleep. And then Moses kills the guy. Then he goes from being the little preppy kid. Oh, you're the preppy kid murderer. You're murderer. You're going to kill us too? Don't be, you're going to kill us too? And then, so he's a preppy kid, then, he, then he's a murderer, and now he's got another label. Oh, you're just an old nasty shepherd. That's all you are. So Moses has struggled his whole life with labels of what everybody else has called him. And God said this, Moses, throw down your labels and become what I've called you to be. Here's the question I have for you. Here it is. Here, this is all come to this right now. Here, here's, here's the hour for you. Ready? What do you need to let, let go of? What are you holding on to? What label are you holding on to? 
what, 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 uh, what sin are you holding on to? What habit are you holding on to? What are you, you know, what are your past are you holding on to? That you cannot go forward until you let it go and you know you're holding on to that, that bad habit. You're holding on to that old relationship. What are you holding on to? That today you know God is speaking to you and saying, you gotta let it go. Because what you're holding on to is controlling you and it's making you insecure. Will you let it go? Will, will you? That's the question. Will, will you let it go? Will you let it go? Will you make the decision today? I'm going to let it go. And some of you are scared to death because the devil has told you over and over. Well, you know what? You become one of those strong. You, they're going to want your money. You got to start paying your tithes. You got you to start, you know, oh, you can't go. You can't have fun no more. You can't do this and you can't do that. He's a liar. You can never be free until you let it go. Today is your day that you let it go. Would you stand with me right now? I want to pray for you. There's a prayer in our program that if you're not a Christ follower today, that you can pray. I hope that you will. And I ask you to check in on the back of your connection card. If you pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, that you will, you'll check in on the back of your connection card. But right now, I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for you. When I conclude this prayer, there'll be people down here that if you want to pray more, they'll pray with you. But when I conclude this prayer, we're going to conclude it through worshiping Almighty God because He's given us the victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, right now, for everybody in this room, Lord, and those that are watching online, God, I pray right now, Lord, that, Lord, we would make in our hearts that I am going to fulfill my calling. I'm going to do my very best, oh God, to do what you want me to do. That when I stand before you, when my time's over on this earth, that, Lord, I can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because people's lives matter. Our friends' lives matter, God. They matter. Our children's lives matter. And God, until we let go of what we're holding on to, we can never, ever be the influence, the leader that you called us to be. So today, God, we let go of it. Come on, as I'm praying, you pray. You just talk to God. Because you've got to let it go. Just declare in your heart right now, God, I let it go. Come on, would you say that with me, everybody? God, I let it go. You ready? Come on. God, I let it go. Come on, say it again. You ready? God, I let it go. One more time. God, I let it go. Father, right now, we receive your strength. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.